Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 172 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Kevin. And uh, happy belated Veterans Day. Yes. Because that's what we're doing today. We are. We are doing our annual Veterans Day badass episode. Living badass. Oh, well, (laughs) hold on. It is... Yes, it's not our usual badass, no. which is, you know, most of them are dead, passed on, deceased, whatever. Well, let, let's be real. It's because most of the time we pick dudes from World War II because they were fucking built different True. back then. <laughs> this time we are picking live yes. veterans. Sure are. You know, and uh, yeah, um, I guess, I mean, as it turns out, we picked two badass uh, guys, you know, to cover. Yeah, we always do though. I didn't really like think I was picking a badass guy. Like, I mean, a super badass guy, but you know, it turns out I I was like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. You know, hey, I never heard of my, the dude I picked either. Uh, uh, but then I went as soon as you went, he's a bad motherfucker, and I went, wait a minute, I've seen this guy on a show. The guy that I picked? No, mine. Oh, I remember oh. who the fuck you I was picked. like, wait a minute, what? I don't remember that. Well, little little aside, I I unknowingly have a bonus side badass. What era is your fella from? This this is how we're gonna decide who goes first. Mine's modern. Okay. When you say modern, how modern do you mean? Like modern, like the last two events. Okay, so I get to go first then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for my half of the episode, I am going to be talking about Petty Officer Michael E. Thornton. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. Um, I- I'm sorry to stop you. Right on my dick, you step. Um, well, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to uh, say, this is my portion of the podcast. Um, I am dedicating this to my uncle, um, who is, was a veteran, and he just recently passed away. Um from stage four cancer. So I am dedicating, you know, for me, this veterans day podcast is dedicated to him. Um, he served, um, in the military during the 1980s. Well, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, he was actually a, um, 
uh, engineer, well, not engineer, he was a transporter um, in uh, Germany during that portion. So he actually got to see uh, the Berlin Wall um, and all that good stuff and lived there for most of his time, actually, while he was in the, the military. And uh, he went from transporting goods to transporting people where he had uh, generals that he would transport around. He actually had to learn how to do those fancy uh, UEs in the road that you see, you know, on some uh, on some shows where they're like, hey, let's, you know, we're going this way, slam on the e-brake and turn it around That's real quick. That's called a J-turn. Back. Well, okay, yeah. sure. Just saying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I want to dedicate, I'm dedicating this to him. Um, on my behalf, you know, my portion on to him. So anyway, sorry, Kevin. No worries. Um, so, so yeah, Michael, uh, petty officer, Michael E. Thornton. Uh, he was born March 23rd, 1949 down in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, grew up working on his family farm. Uh, I think it's uh, pronounced Greenville. I'm pretty sure it's Greenville. No, no, no. They pronounce it Greenville. It's like your dad, you know, he, he would be like, <laughs> which I don't understand. Like. <laughs> I don't have any family from the South. I have family that moved to the South. I think your dad's misplaced. I think my whole fucking family might be. True. Possibly. Because, like, yeah, we we should, you know, the entirety of my family should be somewhere like fucking, like, Tennessee or South Carolina, somewhere in that area. fucking hillbillies, you know. We are, like, lower Kentucky, maybe, somewhere in that neck uh, of the woods. Yeah. Well, you know? yeah, I'm thinking Kentucky. Yeah. You know, maybe, like... Like Western uh, North Carolina, I wouldn't say maybe maybe not. You're, we- App- you're Appalachian folk. Maybe not like West Virginia Appalachian because we don't get down with that Boone County mating call. <laughs> you know, with the uh, any, anybody not familiar with what that is, that's when you rattle a prescription pain <laughs> painkiller jug and see uh, what come running. <laughs> anyway, so- I was saving that for a fucking West Virginia episode. I've already used it. Goddamn, oh, damn, that's okay. Well, so he was born in. Greenville, uh, South Carolina. Yeah, well, he, he he grew up on his family farm just outside of Spartanburg. Or is it Spattenburg? Whichever. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, fucking whoa, A. Whoa, you just went all fucking, you know, Boston there. It happens occasionally. <laughs> what is it? Spartanburg? He parked a fucking car somewhere. <laughs> Walked real fucking far. Oh, we are really fucking loud here. I don't know what well, it is. Well, because we just kind of got loud. We kind of got loud. <laughs> Dump that a little bit down. Um... So he graduated from high school in 1967 and uh, went directly into the Navy after graduation. Um, the late 60s, kind of not a great time to just be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go into the military. Vietnam. Because there was some shit going on in Southeast Asia. V- I'm sorry. Viet fucking Nam. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a war. It was the police action. It was. Well, it's still fucking 500,000 some how. odd American people. Well, no, mate, no. Was it 50,000 Americans died over there? It was a large number. I'm pretty sure that constitutes a war, so fuck it. I'm, I mean, I don't know how the Constitution police that. It was just like Korea, the war before. Yeah, still. It was technically a police action. Yeah, well, fucking tell that to all the all the dead Marines and shit. Dead Marines you know. and an army. How many police died there? Not many. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> fucking Waco was a police action, okay? <laughs> well, no, that was a, not a government fuck up, but we'll, we'll talk about that at some other point in time. Uh-huh. So yes, yeah, uh, so he's in the military 
uh, late 60s. Yeah, 1967 to be exact, which was a pretty fucking hot time in Vietnam. Yeah. 67 to like 69 was real bad. Like, that's... Viet Cong will be killing those Americans. Yeah, well... And, you know, Vietnamese, and you know, we kind of did some awful shit, too. Yeah, uh, another thing we'll probably potentially talk about at some point. So after he finished basic, he went on to uh, serve as a gunner's mate apprentice on a destroyer. Couldn't find out what ship it was. I tried. Um, on a uh, battleship, huh? Yeah. Right? Battleship? Yeah, destroyer's probably. a battleship. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that go in with the big guns and, like, fucking chuck artillery from six miles out at sea and just hope it lands in the right spot. I hit him. How do you know? Uh, I don't know. There's a, a huge fucking crater. Looks <laughs> like maybe a big, big blue. Seen a lot of blue smoke. I hit something. <laughs> what it was. I don't know, but I know I fucking hit it. <laughs> look, look through the, look through the goggles. <laughs> I don't need to, son. I can see it from here. Good job. <laughs> They're like, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> I said good job. <laughs> so in 1968, he entered BUDS training. Oh. Which is... Uh, Navy SEAL. Yes, which stands for Basic Underwater Demolitions, or SEAL training, obviously. Um, and this is no bullshit. It's a 26-week training course that culminates in what's referred to as Hell Week. And here's what that week looks like. This this makes me fucking want to cry just even having written it down. I was like, oh. You know what? We might know somebody that may have been in Buds with him. Potentially. Potentially. Well, there was, you know, obviously there would have been different classes and stuff, but maybe. There's a possibility of it. I don't know when he exactly joined, but. He joined. Oh, I think um, I had. Oh man! Fucking text him. <laughs> he doesn't know how to text. <laughs> He's a <little> loony. <laughs> the next time he like falls out of a tree and puts a knife to your throat, ask him. <laughs> that was a paintball gun. Yeah. Well, no, it was to also you. the base of my skull yes. that I had a paintball gun pressed to. Freeze, motherfucker! <laughs> You're dead. Yes, sir, I am. And I lay down, face down on, my, on the fucking ground, and hand him up my weapon. Face down, hands up. I will tell you where all these motherfuckers are. <laughs> Do not actually kill me. Yes. Uh, so here's here's what uh, what that training looks like in Hell Week. You have a thousand yard swim with fins. It has to be done in twenty minutes or less. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's kind of a long fucking way. And it's in cold. And it's cold water. as water. Yeah. Uh, a minimum of seventy push-ups with a two-minute time limit. Fucking impossible for me. Wow. Uh, Ten pull-ups in two minutes or less. Again, physically impossible for me. Yes. Uh, minimum me sixty curl-ups, two minutes or less. Not happening. Uh, Four-mile run with pants and shoes. Not sure why we had to specify pants and shoes, but that's in 31 minutes or less. How fast are you supposed to run it butt-ass naked? Uh, I'm going to say like... I'm saying six minutes. I'm, I'm, no, I'm thinking on actually... Asphalt. I'm thinking 15. 15 butt-ass naked. Four yeah. miles. Yeah. I mean, half the time... Usain Bolt here? Listen, I'm just thinking half the time. You know, cut it in half. You know, because, you know, less... Less dragage, you know. I don't know, man. Well, you also have to worry about tree, like stubbing your toe and falling naked balls first on the asphalt. That's true. 
which I've literally had nightmares about that. True. Yeah. Last, no, thank no. you. So this five and a half day stretch, each candidate sleeps for about four hours total. Um, but over the course of that five and a half days, they will run more than 200 miles and they will do physical training for more than 20 hours a day. <laughs> you are getting your dick handed to you in a plastic bag. Their last. And you're gonna, and you're actually enjoying it. And their, their last fucking like actual last bit of training is a motherfucker. It's like no sleep for. That's where we're talking about right here. Yeah. But it's like. Not even like no now it's like not even le- it's less sleep because you don't sleep at all. It's like you have the last like bit of training before you're actually like gonna be done. Uh, I was watching it and like like it's so little. It's like there's no sleep at all because like they keep you up for like it's like I don't know like forty eight seven to seventy two hours something like that. Yeah, and by the time you're done. And if you if you don't quit because they it's like a hell week, they want you to quit. You don't quit. They put you in a fucking tent and they make you sleep. And some like I was watching it and some of the guys are like, you know, trying to come out. And they're like, no, get back in there. Get in the rack. Go to sleep. Yeah. And some of the guys are like twitching and everything else because you know, they're just so sleep deprived that their muscles and everything are still reacting. And like the the only ones that kind of are on the same level as this intensity of training would be like your ranger training, uh, green berets, and then the guys that don't exist. Well, technically, that's would be the same. Actually, you know what the um, another one that's actually just as hard. I think they actually said it was harder. Hmm. Uh, there's a uh, 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 rank of sergeant. Uh, it's like a higher rank of sergeant. It's actually fucking supremely hard. Hmm. It's actually there. They, I, I watched something on it, like saying it's one of the hardest training out there to do. But I'm not saying that you know. I mean, fuck. I, I don't. I I couldn't. Do I couldn't do basic training in the condition I'm in now. No. Like, I mean, well, you probably couldn't. I mean, you probably would have had a hard time doing basic training when you were, you know, in your prime. I don't know. I, I would have... Because I'm saying... only say reason why I say that is because of your possibility of having asthma attacks. Well, I, I would have I given it the old fucking college try. I really oh, yeah, wanted yeah. to. Oh, I know. But uh, at this point in time, no fucking way. No. 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 Not a chance. No. <laughs> so the next, uh, the next phase would include uh, combat diving. Oh. Would include... Jesus Christ. I don't think he would include Jesus Christ. <laughs> he has no, nothing to do with this. <laughs> the next phase includes combat diving, land warfare training, and finally mastery of SEAL skills, which includes the infamous SEER training, which is uh, survival, evasion. Uh, I thought it was rescue. It's actually resistance and escape. So, um, so former SEAL and founder of SEALGrinderPT.com had this to say about the training. Quote, the Buds trainees stay awake for five plus days in Hell Week to make sure they can do it in a war zone. Okay, yeah. So it was five. It was five days. Yeah. yeah. Seal operators and war veterans often have uh, often had to stay awake for seventy two hours on a uh, on and twelve hours off shifts. When a battle breaks out, you have no choice but to stay awake and get the job done. Yep. Uh, it, <clears throat> if they make it to seals, 
That's just the beginning. Uh, for their entire career, they have to go out on missions during which they don't uh, they don't get much sleep at all. Consuming caffeine doesn't do much, except drinking uh, drinking coffee or tea helps to keep you warm. Uh, he also added, some seals put instant coffee in their prepackaged meals in their cheeks like a wad of chewing tobacco. Yep. So coffee grinds are just yep. dipping them. My uh, my dad actually, I think it was my dad or my brother was talking about that putting that in uh in their stuff because every every mre comes with yeah you get powdered uh, coffee yeah comes with powdered coffee uh cocoa i think too yeah cocoa ain't gonna do much for you though no i'm just saying a little bit of sugar but comes with that stuff yeah so uh, i i think at this point in time it's fair to say that you know they they don't just hand out that little pin with a fucking eagle with a trident and like a blunderbuss and shit you don't yeah you can you can buy them at army surplus stores they don't just hand them shits out like the real ones though you gotta earn that all right uh thornton would then join the one percent of all navy personnel when he was assigned to seal team one and shipped off to southeast asia uh obviously went there because you know you were headed to vietnam Uh and there's some commies that need to be quote unquote removed and i fully endorse that (laughs) <laughs> Fuck them commies. So by the tail end of 1972, the U.S. had started kind of phasing out of Vietnam. Uh, by this time, there was 12 SEALs in country total in Vietnam. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's special ops, you know. Right. Um, but we're also we were also down to, like, less than 100,000 U.S. soldiers mm-hmm. there at that point in time. And 12 of them are just, like, dick-kicking Navy SEALs. Yeah, because what was it? Uh, 69? 69? I think it was, like, 74 when we technically fully left, but... Yeah, but, like, 69 or something like that. Because that was uh, Tet Offensive. Yeah, six... Uh, I can't remember I think it was 68. But that was, like, fucking... Because we talked about it in the Roy Benavidez episode. I think it was 68. Yeah, it it was big push. But, like, I mean... Technically, what I've heard, we actually could have won that. We yeah. actually could have won it, but they were like, yeah. At what cost, though? We already. Well, I mean, we'd already like. You know, we, but... we sent 50,000 50, some odd well, young no, men we... to die in a fucking jungle for essentially no, no reason. No, we were, were winning it. We were actually. But then, you know. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people, a lot of guys were like pissed at that point. They were like, you know, yeah. we could have fucking actually ended the Viet Cong. Same shit that we're dealing with right now. Oh, yeah. Where we finally are at a point where we are kind of kind of got these shitheads on the ropes and mm-hmm. then pull the rug out. Except they didn't just leave a shitload of guys in Vietnam to get blown up because they didn't want to send enough planes over. He saw some pretty intense action and on Halloween of 1972 he participated in what was supposed to be uh, just routine intel gathering and potentially prisoner snatch kind of mission on the coast of the Quang Tree, uh, Quang Tree Province, which was just south of the demilitarized zone. But the problem there is the demilitarized zone has actually been under North Vietnamese control since the literally the beginning days of the war. So you, that demilitarized zone is in North fucking Vietnam. Yep. So... But there wasn't a lot of shit going on there because it's the demilitarized zone. You're not supposed yeah. to be. 
Uh, DMZ's kind of no man's land. Yeah. So his team consisted of three LDNN, which was the South Vietnamese Special Forces, um, and Lieutenant Thomas Norris, who was a fellow SEAL. Remember when I said we had a we had a little bit of a bonus here, like a like fucking flash cut bonus badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got a quick little thing I'm gonna read here, um, and. The first sentence could probably give you a hint as to what the hell happened here. For conspicuous gallantry and and intrepidity in action at the risk of his own life and beyond the call of duty while serving as a Navy SEAL advisor with the Strategic Technical Directorate Assistance Team Headquarters U.S. Military Assistance Command Vietnam. During the period of 10 to 13 April 1913, uh, 1913, holy 1930, shit. 1913, nice. Jesus Christ, he's back there killing Germans. Holy shit. Fucking Romanians or whatever we were fighting at the time. Oh, fucking. Uh, uh, 1972. So this was uh, fucking six months before all this shit happens. Lieutenant Norris completed an unprecedented ground rescue of two downed pilots deep within heavily controlled enemy territory in the Quang Tri province. Lieutenant Norris, on the night of 10 April, led a five-man patrol through 2,000 meters of heavily controlled enemy territory, located one of the downed pilots at daybreak, and returned to the forward uh, forward operating base. On 11th April, after a devastating mortar and rocket attack on the small forward operating base, Lieutenant Norris led a three-man team on two unsuccessful rescue attempts of the second pilot. On the afternoon of the 12th, a forward air controller located the pilot and notified Lieutenant Norris. Dressed in fisherman disguises and using a sampan, which is a a small little uh, Vietnamese kind of like a rowboat. They almost look like the ones that you see in um, Venice, where they're real shallow, real long. And they don't actually have oars. It's just a stick that they go down to the the bed of the river and kind of pull themselves with. So these guys are dressed as fucking fishermen in this shitty little rowboat. Lieutenant Norris and one Vietnamese, that's how we were going to refer to it, uh, traveled through the night and found the injured pilot at dawn. Covering the pilot with bamboo and vegetation, they began began the return journey, successfully evading a North Vietnamese patrol. Approaching the fob, they come under heavy machine gun fire. Lieutenant Norris called in an airstrike, which provided uh, suppression fire and a smokescreen, allowing the rescue party to reach the uh, the forward operating base. It's weird. They bounce back and forth between FOB and forward operating base. I'm not sure why. Well, hey, they also call them uh, uh, combat outposts, too. Yeah. My, uh, and I asked, I asked my dad about that. It's the um, same fucking thing, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is. It's just uh, There's a combat outpost, a smaller nope, one. No, nope, it's just huh. it's the same thing. It's, it's a forward operating base. Okay. It's just... They tend to use different jargon, as he said. He goes, just depends where you are and, and such. The, you know, he goes, Iraq, they used uh, FOB. Right. Um, Afghanistan, they used uh, um, Combat Outpost instead. Doesn't make any sense. I know. <laughs> uh, by uh, by the, his outstanding display of decisive leadership, undaunted courage, and selflessness, uh, and, and selfless dedication in the face of extreme danger, Lieutenant Norris enhanced the uh, enhanced the finest tradition of the United States Naval Service. So, when he is out in the field at this point in time, he has already been nominated for a Medal of Honor. Okay, so we're gonna have a first here this time. Something that something we have never ever had happen on this show. Okay. 
So they drew up the they drew up their little uh, they drew up a plan of attack. Um, they would decided they were going to go by sea because it was a, a, a quite a bit easier than going overland, which would get them. So if you go in by ocean, it's going to get you into the area of operation quicker, a mm-hmm. little bit safer, um, less chance of you know stepping on a fucking booby trap made out of an old spam can, some shit like that, because the North Vietnamese were crafty as fuck. Um, so they're transported within two miles of the site by a Vietnamese junk boat, which is just a little fishing boat. It's a, a sailboat, basically. Um, they then took a, a padded rubber boat, kind of similar to what we would have now. It's like a Zodiac, like those, um, like the Swift boats, the Swift boats and shit. The big, like, inflatable sons of bitches with the guns on them and all that. Yep. So they take that to within a mile of shore, and they kind of just hang out there until the sun goes down. From there, the five-man team swam the remaining mile to shore and then moved inland. F- fuck that. Okay, I know it's, it's like Vietnam, and it's probably warm there. That water is still shit cold. Like, yeah. you're in the fucking ocean. <laughs> so they made a few... Uh, a few short little recon excursions throughout the night checking into these like small little like outpost kind of deals like checkpoints and that and seeing if they could find yep. any kind of anything that'd be helpful or if you can find anybody that's not some piss ant on the food chain that we might be able to snatch up and bring back and beat some answers out of um so when the sun comes up the next day they get a better lay of the land and realize that they are way too far north and they are deep 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 into North Vietnam. Um, and they decided that the best course of action at this point is to head back to the beach, go home and try again. We've done nothing yet. They don't know we're here. Nobody's seen us. Let's just go home. Try it again. Cause we are like miles too far North from where we were supposed to be. As they're headed back to the beach, they're spotted by a one man patrol. So this one random dude, probably just out for a piss just so happens to see these five giant men with automatic weapons. And uh, Thornton's like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fucking chases this dude down trying to kill him so that obviously you can't say, hey, we're being, you know, we're being attacked. Unfortunately, uh, while he's chasing him, he ran headfirst into about uh, anywhere between 50 and 75 NVA soldiers. Well, NVA is North Vietnamese Army for anybody that, you know. So he turns and beats feet back to the beach, uh, tells his guys what's going on. They create a small defensive position on the beach, out in the open. Just a few little trees and rocks and shit like that all over the place. Mm -hmm. For the next five hours, his five-man team would bounce around the area, firing at the NVA and and inflicting massive casualties. Um, And by this point in time, they're now closer to 150 strong. So they kept kind of changing position and firing. So they'd have two guys here and then they'd send the other three here and they'd fire and then they'd move further down the beach and keep shooting at them yep. to make themselves look bigger than they actually are. Smart move. Very good move. Um, so, he, and they did this because between Norris and Thornton, they both knew that if these guys realize there's only five of us, they're just going to bum rush us and take the fucking, the casualties on the way in and they're going to kill us. It's like, there's yeah. no, it, when you have that many guys, it's, it's pretty easy to go. We'll lose three or four, but we'll, we're going to capture these assholes. Cause we can hit them from 
you know, three sides. Norris called repeatedly for fire from a nearby destroyer. Um, unfortunately, didn't realize that the guns had been damaged by a Vietnamese attack. A uh, little rocket ship had gone out and put a couple rounds on target and knocked the guns offline. So they've got their backs to the water. They're being faced by an overwhelming force from three sides. They decide to do what seals do in nature. They return to the sea. So Thornton led the LDNN troops uh, back to the water, even though he himself was already wounded by fra- uh, by fragments of a grenade that had blown up and kind of ripped his back to shit. So in an effort to, to buy his guys some time, Lieutenant Norris stands from cover to fire a, uh, a law, which is a little shoulder-mounted rocket. Uh, that's what basically what we had during Vietnam. Yep. Um, if you've ever played any kind of fucking like first-person shooter, when you're playing as the good guys in multiplayer, the one that's not an RPG, the green one that looks like a cardboard tube. Yeah. That's essentially what he had. Um, so he stands up and shoulders this thing, and before he gets a, t- a chance to take a shot, he is shot in the head by NVA forces. So Thornton hits the water. The last of the LDNN guys is right behind him, grabs him and says, Norris is dead. Not he's been shot. He's dead. So Thornton doing what any fucking badass in this situation is going to do goes back to get his guy because we don't leave people behind. No, especially not guys that are up for a medal of honor that did this to try to save our lives. We don't leave that guy behind. No. So Thornton busts ass back up the beach, reaches Norris, checks his vitals, and finds a very, very faint pulse. He's still alive. He's been shot in the face. In the face. He's still alive. Still breathing. God only knows how. Yep. Yep. Uh, Big bullet uh, in the brain. On the face, whatever. I don't know. They they weren't fucking around. They had AKs. Yeah. 7.62 by... 39. 39. There was a book that I read. Um, it's called Hill 466, I believe. Oh, where, my God. Oh, it was a fucking meat grinder. But the guy that wrote it was a Vietnam veteran, and he said he is fully confident that if the United States had gone into that war with the AK-47 instead of the M-16, we would have won that war in four years. Well, like, when they started off, I mean, when they, when they switched over from the... M14 mm-hmm. to the 16. The M16s at, at the beginning were shit. dog shit. They actually would, like, a lot of them would throw them away and get, you know. There were so many guys that wrote letters home to, like, their family and were just like, have dad send me my fucking lever action. Yeah. It's better than what we've got. And they fucking would. Yep. Like, Carlos Hathcock, his rifle was his fucking deer rifle that he had his wife send him. <laughs> Fuck this government issue shit. I want my Remington. Yeah. Send it. It's because well, of I mean, him that they changed over to some of that other shit, too. Yeah. Um, so he scoops up, uh, Thornton scoops up Norris, and as he, you know, as he's trying to turn, there's two NVA soldiers coming up at him. Legitimately one-handing an M16 kills two guys. Pop, 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 pop. That's pretty fucking awesome. That's some Rambo shit. <laughs> fucking John Rambo. Uh, says so he's running back across the beach, which is about 400 yards of open territory and artillery shell hits. Oh, uh, and it was, it was close, but it wasn't close enough to kill them. 
Uh, it was close enough to throw them both 20 feet into the fucking air, though. Probably shrapnel. Yeah. Well, turns out that there was another destroyer in the area that had gotten the call and was like, oh, hey, we can hit him from there. They were just a little off. Like, <laughs> a couple, like, 30, 40 yards further out, and they're putting rounds on target. Here, they're like, eh. Uh, next <laughs> a, shot up. Next shot up. Got a guy up. out there with binoculars. You're like, looking, he's like, oh, shit, those guys are white. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Pull up. <laughs> <laughs> Five degrees up. Arc that shit. Uh, Do you no? You fucked up. Oh, those guys could be real mad when they get back. Um, so he regains his footing, scoops Norris back up, and continues to the water. Um, rigs Norris up with a life jacket. He is unconscious. He's been shot in the fucking head. Yeah. So he's unconscious in a life jacket in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So, as they're floating out, one of the LDNN troops gets shot. Thornton takes his own life jacket off, puts it onto the now-wounded guy. He's got one he's pushing and one he's pulling, okay? They got far enough out into the end of the water that they are no longer receiving enemy fire. Uh, they floated in the, South v- in the, uh, the fucking South China Sea for almost two hours before the South Vietnamese uh, Navy could get close enough to rescue them. So, these guys are all wounded. Bleeding in fucking salt water with open wounds for two hours. Ouch. Yeah, but I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is, uh, is there no sharks here? <laughs> gotta be. I'd fucking hope not. <laughs> gotta be no sharks, because, I mean, if there was, they'd be fucking chum. <laughs> the gods of war diverted them. I guess. <laughs> You'll no. have business elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, you don't want them. So just shy of a year later, he would be awarded, uh, uh, Michael Thornton would be awarded the Medal of Honor by President Richard Nixon, yuck, at the White House. I am not a crook. <laughs> he did his absolute damnedest to get Norris's medical team, because he survived this, okay? Did his best to get his medical team to turn him loose long enough for the ceremony. Unfortunately, they said no. Yeah. Much like he had done the year before. Thornton refused to leave Norris behind and snuck him out of, out of the hospital through the back door in a wheelchair after the doctors left the room for another call. So he scooped his ass up, got him dressed, put him in a wheelchair, and fucking scooted him out Where of the back going? door. Where are we going? Never mind. Shut up. Remember that thing we did? Yeah, we're gonna, we got a thing for that. Yeah. Okay, so here's, our, here's one of our firsts. Second time that one of us is going to read two fucking Medal of Honor citations in the same episode. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity. I just said that fucking word not ten minutes ago. You'd think I'd know how to say it by now. Intrepidation. Intrepidity. Oh, oh, intrepid. Oh, okay. I was going to say intrepidate. No, that's not right. At the risk of his own life above and beyond the call of duty while participating in a daring operation against enemy forces, Petty Officer Thornton, an assistant U.S. Navy advisor alongside with U.S. Navy lieutenant serving uh, serving as a senior advisor because at this point in time, people didn't know that the Navy SEALs were real. Yeah. So they were Navy advisors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, accompanied by a three-man Vietnamese Navy SEAL patrol. <laughs> 
So the Vietnamese have Navy SEALs. We don't. We don't have Navy SEALs. Only the Vietnamese do. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to leave it at that. Our so, guys aren't real. Vietnamese Navy SEALs are the real thing. I, exactly. They're the badasses. Okay. So are all Navy SEALs now Vietnamese too? Maybe. Possibly. Or only the Vietnamese Navy SEALs actually still Vietnamese? I have a migraine. Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> come back to me on oh, that. Oh, Christ. We're going to circle back to that. Okay. Okay. Oh, mm. my brain. Um, so accompanied by a three-man Vietnamese Navy SEAL patrol on an intelligence, ga- intelli- intelligence? Uh, intelligence gathering and prisoner capture operation against an enemy-occupied naval river base. Launched from a Vietnamese Navy junk boat, uh, the patrol reached land and was continuing on foot towards its objective towards its objective when it suddenly came under heavy fire from a numerically superior force. You send fucking five guys, six guys is a numerically superior force. Of course. Not by training, because like most of these guys are like fishermen well, with AKs and these motherfuckers have been I mean snapping necks for the last twenty six weeks well, and training them like, ah, we're gonna fuck these boys up. Oh, well, it's like <laughs> one for every five, you know, so it's like Okay, so if it's 30, I mean, so, okay, five. All right, so each one has, like, five. Okay, so <laughs> hold on here. This is, the, this is the equivalent, like, if you send five Navy SEALs in against, like, I don't know, 20 dudes that are barely trained as some, part of some kind of terrorist organization or whatever shit like that, that's like turning, like, Lawrence Taylor loose on a fucking Pop Warner football team. He is going to fuck people up, even, when, even in his 60s. He is going to get in there and just bash these kids around. Well... Some occasions, yes. Some occasions... He's going to do a bunch of cocaine first, and he's just going to fucking pop some kid's head off. <laughs> well, some occasions, yes, but other occasions where, such as uh, Mogadishu... Well, when, okay, I said, was... I, I said 20 guys, not 20,000 guys. Well, first off, it wasn't 20,000. Might's fucking well have been. <laughs> there wasn't that many. I mean, there was, you know, well, I mean... The, There's a couple thousand. The Somalians, yeah, there yeah. was like... But still, I mean... The patrol called in naval gunfire uh, gunfire support and then engaged the enemy in a fierce firefight, accounting for many enemy casualties before moving back to the waterline to prevent encirclement. Upon learning that the senior advisor had been hit by enemy fire and was believed to be dead, Petty Officer Thornton re- uh, returned through a hail of fire to the lieutenant's last position, quickly disposed of two enemy soldiers about to overrun the position, and succeeded in removing the seriously wounded and unconscious senior, na- senior naval officer to the water's edge. When he inflated the lieutenant's life jacket and towed him seaward for approximately two hours until picked up by a support craft. I bet you we're, that. we're not going to mention the fact that he also rescued a fucking Vietnamese no, special operator no, that, had no, already, no, no, that had been shot no. as Listen, well. Listen, they don't exist. And we're also not going to mention the part that we accidentally almost blew these two fucking heroes up by accident. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't say that either. Yeah, I mean, like I said, one, spin control is a motherfucker. One is a um, Navy SEAL. Okay, right. Vietnam Vietnamese Navy SEAL. He doesn't exist. Doesn't matter. I He's mean, also not American, so he really give much of a fuck. It's true. <laughs> like, oh, another dead Vietnamese guy. Whatever. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> At least we didn't actually kill this one. Happens. <laughs> By his extraordinary courage and perseverance, Petty Officer Thornton was directly responsible for saving the life of his superior officer and enabling the safe extraction of all patrol members, thereby upholding the highest tradition of the U.S. Naval Service. Three years later, when Lieutenant Norris receives his Medal of Honor, 
Thornton was there standing in the crowd. Never fucking sat down. They they rose for the, the national anthem and he fucking stood there the entire time just like Somebody tried to shoot him in the head again. I dare you. I will fuck you up. <laughs> he's in there like in his navy whites, and he's just like, "Oh, I'll get these bitches bloody. I don't give a shit." Um, he's got he's got a fucking K bar, you know, fucking waiting. Come on, he's in his navy whites with just a fucking red bandana tied around his head like snake. He's got a fucking K bar just ready. It's like, yeah. mm. do it. He's, gr- he's like gritting his teeth so hard, there's almost like blood coming out of the corner of his mouth. It's like, oh man, I'll fucking kill somebody right now. You know, the whole time he's looking, he's like, he's like, not not looking, you know, he's looking straight on, but he's he's side eyeing everybody. If anybody's even squinting because of the sun, they're getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he squinted, stab! And yes, that was, and take that for exactly how I said it. That's kind of how that would have worked. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Michael Thornton was the first man in nearly a century to be awarded the Medal of Honor for saving the life of another man who, that himself had been nominated for the award. That is a first on this show. We've never had somebody receive the Medal of Honor for rescuing someone who has been fucking nominated for a Medal of Honor. That's some crazy shit. It is. So fast forward to 1980. Thornton is approached by noted crazy son of a bitch, Richard Marcinko, to become one of the founding members of SEAL Team 6. Dick Marcinko is a crazy motherfucker. Like, he needs to have his own episode because he was, he is fucking insane. Like, they based a video game off of him. Okay. Um, And he was, obviously, he was the one that was tasked with forming a new SEAL team. Wanted to call it six because at this point in time, we're fighting the Russians. Uh-huh. And the Russians know what Navy SEALs are. They have uh-huh. a general idea of how many are in each, you know, each SEAL team. And uh, at that point in time, we had three. So he goes, you know, I think we're going to call this one six and just really, really fuck with those Ruskies. Well, yeah. Do it all. Did it all the time. The Bay of Pigs. When they were numbering people and they were like, oh, 1463, there's fucking 120 of them. Make it look, make your force look bigger than it is. Um, but SEAL Team 6 was actually the Navy's first unit dedicated purely to counterterrorism. Uh, I couldn't really find if he saw any more action after his Medal of Honor. Uh, yeah. But I would imagine considering he was only like 26, 27 years old when he got it. He may have gone out and done some other shit. Maybe. I mean, it all depends, you know, on how much, you know, it, f- it fucks with them. Yeah. Well, but. when there's people that got to die and you're the one to do it, you're going to get back out there and do it. Of course. Um, so he actually would end his uh, his uh, Navy career shortly after Operation Desert Storm started. Um, he is still with us at the time of recording, uh, living uh, just outside of Houston, Texas at the age of 72 this year. So, oh, wow. Fuck Yeah. That is Michael E. Thornton. Um, also, I think the first Navy SEAL we've covered on here. Yeah. 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 Lots of firsts. So bad, bad son of a bitch. And if you look at him, he looks like he'd be like a, uh, he, he looks like he'd be a bank manager almost. He's just not a real, yeah. he's just a regular looking like dude. And you're like, oh, oh, he's fucking bad. Okay. Yeah. So I think here would be a good time to take a little bit of a break. Um, 
We'll be back in just a couple minutes. We're going to run some ads. And Kevin will tell us about his guy. Yes. Okay, so... We're back. Who you got? Let's hear this shit. All right. And I think I I think I know who this guy is. I'm pretty so, confident I do. This gentleman I'm covering, um, he he deserved the Medal of Honor he re- he received. Okay. Most uh, just about every guy that gets it has um, earned it. His name is uh, Clinton Lavar Romache. Ah, okay. And it, it looks like it would be Romasha because yeah. it's R O M E S H A, but he pronounces it Romache. Well, we're, I think that's how we're so, going to pronounce it then. Yes, um, he's and, he is my badass, and he's another one of those dudes where you see pictures of him, and you're like, that's just a normal looking dude. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, you you hear what he did, and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Um, now the thing is, this is probably. Well, this is the closest to uh, uh, most recent, uh, most recent, most recent to home type of thing, um, because you know I had he fought. Okay, I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit and say that he was both in Iraq and he was in um, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So he would have been right around there with like David Bellavia, the guy that I covered last year for this, but that same time frame. Because that was he was in like uh uh oh seven oh eight somewhere no earlier than that well this guy was uh he was uh oh seven yeah it's like oh five oh six somewhere in there was mine so he was uh so yeah he was in uh, OIF Operation Aquafinum and um OAF Operation uh Afghani Freedom um now he was born. Um, October 17th, 1981, in Lake City, California, and he enlisted into the military September of 1999, the year I fucking graduated high school. Yeah. I graduated high school the beginning of that year. I was in sixth fucking grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was, it was just after he turned 18, or actually, well, just, bef- yeah. Well, I said September, but well, technically it said before he turned eighteen. Yeah, whatever. You so can still you can enlist at seventeen. Yeah, with a permission slip. Right. Um. So he has two older brothers, uh, one older sister and a younger sister. Now, according to his profile, uh, that I found on Army um, he states that his fondest childhood memories are of spending the time with his grandpa. The late uh, Ari Smith, a World War II veteran, on his small ranch in Via Nevada. Fuck yeah! Um, his grandpa told him um, to always do his best, and that the integrity of family name was Romache's legacy to be cherished. Now that's some grandpa shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, now, so it's gonna be said. So grandpa served in the military. Mm-hmm. Dad served in Vietnam. Oof. He tried to get Dad to talk about it. Dad would never, ever talk about it. Yeah. Um, Understandably. Brothers. First brother signed up. Military. Second brother signed up for military. Dad had full plans of bringing Junior, young boy, to be a fucking priest. 
Okay, so that's <laughs> did not want him to join the military. All right, so that's that's some legitimate medieval shit. Yeah, because like if you had three kids and you had you were any kind of well, family that had anything, right? Any any kind of family that of any stature, your oldest your oldest son took over the land. Your second son went to war. Went to war, and the youngest one was a fucking priest. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I saw that. I went no fucking way. Jesus Christ, are these guys from like 1300s England. Yeah, well, holy shit. To his father's dismay, he joined the military. He's like, yeah, I, I'll go be a priest in the fucking army. So, <laughs> and he had kind of this. He he had kind of like a a weird like arc to his career. To like he so he, he enlists okay, and he enlists to be an M1 uh, armor crewman. So basically, he's gonna be he's in gonna tanks. be in a, in a Bradley. Yeah, he's gonna be in a tank. Um, and he completed after he did his basic training, and I'm gonna guess his basic was um probably somewhere on the west coast because right, they well, usually they split Andy's it. And in California. Yeah, they, so they usually they usually split it. It's usually somewhere on the West Coast or whatever. Um, or in a fucking swamp somewhere in Georgia. Well, <laughs> no. Um, usually military, like Army, they'll have it like either, because depending on where you are, like I, I believe this is true, um, East Coast or West Coast, you go to like, you know, if you're like East Coast, you kind of go to an East Coast, you know, right. place. Like my brother went to... Uh, um, as they, as some would refer to it as relax in Jackson, uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing quite as relaxing as 97 degrees in the summer with 375,000% humidity and fucking huge snakes. As my brother yeah. said, mosquitoes that can carry off your firstborn child. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, it was, it was pretty fucking hot, but now like, as far as I know, they actually have centralized it. Um, most people go to, uh, Fort Leonard Wood, which is in Missouri. Um, still sounds miserable. It's actually, my brother said it wasn't bad. He actually went there for his, uh, um, AIT training. Mm -hmm. He got to drive a, um, five ton truck nice. at night with, uh, um, no headlights, no headlights uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> no, it was just flat. No, he got to drive them. No headlights. Oh, that's right. He's in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. So like up, like up the side up, of up the slope. Up the side of a mountain is like fucking three speed bumps. Yeah. Yeah. No. So no, he got to drive it at night with uh, night vision. He said that was the coolest. That's fucking pretty fucking thing rad. Yeah. Like when I when I was, I I wanted to go into the Coast Guard. And basic training there would have landed me at Fort May. And Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry, fucking New Jersey. Well. I only would have been there for like, you know, eight weeks, but that's fine. Yeah. It's still too much time to be in New Jersey. <laughs> so so anyway. Uh, no offense. I know we have one listener in, like in New Jersey, but he's from here. So he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh, he completed his uh, basic, then went from there um, to Fort Knox, Tennessee to complete the, his, his gold defense training. training. Yes. Okay, good. Um. That's somebody looking after them bars. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, Fort Knox is like big. Uh, I know tank it's armored. Yeah, yep. But that's also where they keep the gold for a good reason, supposedly. Yeah. Um, try to steal it. We will shoot you with a fucking tank. So uh, after this, he was assigned to B Company, First Battalion, Sixty Third Armor, um, and he was sent to um, 
were stationed, I should say, stationed in uh, at Camp uh, Velsic in Germany as a tank gunner. That sounds wonderful, actually. Yep. Yeah. Uh, while serving in Germany, he would be sent to Kosovo. That does not sound wonderful. Um, he would then... After, that was not a good time to be in Kosovo. <laughs> no. So then after being sent to Kosovo, he would then be uh, as a he'd be reassigned as a to serve as a gunner slash assistant tank commander with A Company, Second Battalion, seventy second armor at uh Cape Cans uh Cape Camp Cape Camp Casey Korea. Now, no camps like those fancy things that that Dracula's wear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, he would then be reassigned after that to back stateside to Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, my actually, my dad went to so, Fort Carson. He was actually stationed there um, way back when he was in the military when he was full time. No shit. Yeah, that was like what the eighties, seventies, seventies. Okay. Um, so here is where he would actually become a section leader with a third battalion, sixty first cavalry. So oh he shit, goes, he's Cav. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so he goes from Tank Boy to Cav. Yeah, um, and we ain't talking fucking horses neither. Like, yes, these yes. motherfuckers don't have swords. <laughs> no, uh, how rad would that be? Just coming in off a fucking helicopter with a saber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come in close. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lop some jackass's arm off. Samurai chop. <laughs> So uh, while, while at Fort Carson, he would complete a uh, long-range reconnaissance course, uh, uh, complete the uh, uh. a long-range reconnaissance course, uh, advanced leadership course, and air assault training. So sorry, I I'll, I just keep picturing a dude in like BDUs with a saber and like the cavalry hat, just hanging off the skin of a helicopter, ah! <laughs> fucking swinging at people. And him with his beard, I could totally picture him doing that. At this time, he actually didn't have I know, beard. but you see him with the beard. He's got a great fucking beard, too. Yeah, he does. Oh, god damn it. That's awesome. Um. So, yeah. So, he got... He completed long-range reconnaissance course, uh, advanced leadership course, and air assault training. Now, some might not know this. Some might. Uh, by completing all these, you're essentially... Um, setting yourself up to be a, um, in, in the role of a sergeant. Okay. Um, he actually was a, uh, staff sergeant, I believe. Um, so that's what he, his role was. Uh, and now it gets a little confusing because I'm not really sure if, he because he was deployed to Iraq. Now, I'm not sure if he was deployed before he came to Fort Carson, or if it was after. Okay. Um, because it kind of didn't really didn't say, but I think it was after. That would make sense. Once he got to Fort Carson, because of uh, of when it was. Um, because it, it was it would be kind of weird to to be deployed. Then come back and do more training, and then yeah. yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. Well, he was actually deployed twice. Okay, um, in um, Operation Iraqi Freedom, he was deployed from 2007 to 2008. Um, not a good time. 
Yeah, and actually, my dad was actually in country for the first part of Roma Shea's tour. Because um, my dad was there early part of, uh, of, of well, most of the way through 07. Right. Um, you know, not in 2008. And um, um, now he was part of the unit, the Black Knight Troop. That's and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they would now during this, they would out ultimately lose Iraq. They would actually yeah. end up losing three men Ugh. and about a half a dozen others that were wounded during their deployment. Um, now he just stated in his book, uh, red platoon, which red platoon, um, is actually what the, um, whole was actually called. Okay. Um, the whole squad, the whole. You know, battalion it was that was red platoon, right? Um, he stated in, in his book Red Platoon that after Iraq, many of the men in the Black Knight troop suffered from PTSD, yeah, and many even got themselves into some big time trouble like murder and rape. Eey. And well, we're gonna deviate a little bit from uh, Jesus Romache, and we're gonna talk about quickly one such guy. This guy was name, uh, his name, because he's still alive, is Robert Marco. Yeah, this one's uh, ringing a bell, actually. He actually suffered a mental break and claimed that he belonged to a species of alien dinosaur-like creatures known he's as... He's a reptilian? Yes. Oh, shit! He claims that he was part of, he belonged to them, uh, the alien dinosaur-like creatures known as the Black Raptor Tribe. Okay, that's way cooler than just being yeah. a reptilian. Uh, yeah, so he was pretty nuts. Um, months after he came back from Iraq, he was actually charged with murder and rape of a 17-year-old no, mentally disabled woman. Oh, Jesus Christ. He claimed buddy. that he uh, met her online and that they decided to meet. He claimed that he blindfolded her and took her up into the wood, mountains of Colorado Springs where he raped her and then slit her throat. What does it have to do with being a lizard? I don't know, but it's crazy. Um, oh. He was convicted in 2011 and is currently serving a life sentence while at the possibility of parole because he's fucking nuts. Uh, no shit. Yeah. Um, now, I only mention this because this is a common theme among those that serve in the armed forces these days. My opinion is that, and this is my opinion and not probably of Kevin's, but of anyone else's, because my father and my brother were in the military, and my dad suffers from PTSD, and I believe my brother suffers from a small portion of PTSD. Yeah, any amount is um, still there. You know? And I feel that some of this could be prevented um, because if the VA – in other or in the military, actually did more. Um, you wouldn't have soldiers coming back and shooting themselves, and then shooting their yeah. their, their wife and kid, or their husband and kid, um, or kids, uh, or just killing themselves. Um, yeah, and, and, on or, average, there's what like 22 veteran suicides a day, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just it's I, it's horrendous. Well, the thing is, is like. I totally agree with you. Uh, 
hundred fucking percent. Because I've I've heard horror stories from your dad with the fucking VA like eight and a half weeks to get a pair of uh prescri- like prescription glasses or some shit like that. Yeah. When you could just go to a fucking eye doctor and have them in a week and a half. There's it's, there's a problem with how that whole thing is handled. And they want and as my dad says, they want you to talk about it. It was like I don't want to talk about it. No. But I mean, I always try to tell me talking about it is what they're supposed to do. You want to talk about it. You sh- I mean, no, you don't want to forget. But you have to talk about it to get it out so that you can You move can't bottle on. shit up. Yeah. And you know, he's kind of gotten better. Um, oh, dude, I love, like, when your dad will tell stories of, like, all the, f- like, even the goofy shit that, that happened over there. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, the poor dumb bastard that almost blew himself up with the barbecue that they made. <laughs> fucking blew his pants and shit yeah. up. So, anyway, enough of that, that yeah. mushy shit. Let's get back to it. It's not mushy so, shit. It's it's a serious thing that, yeah. you know, needs to be addressed. It's It's a problem. Definitely. You know, we can spend all this money to train these guys to go over there, but we get back and they're like, well... I guess fuck you, you know. And, and I'll say this: if if you know anybody that's in the military, um, or has been in the military, is in the military, and they want to talk, talk. Yeah. You know, just be there. Listen, yep. Roma Shaw, Roma Shea would after coming back. Right. He would be redeployed again. Um. In 2008, to Afghanistan for <laughs> Operation Enduring Freedom. Yeah, uh, he would be in country from 2008 to 2009, um, and this is where he would be uh, awarded the Medal of Honor. Now, where he, the more precisely is where, not well, not more large location, I should say. Right, the location. Um, of the event that took place to for him to be awarded this was uh, Combat Outpost Keating, or they refer to it as Cop Keating, in Kamdesh District, Nuristan Province, Afghanistan. Um, this is like a fucking fishbowl. It is your – that's what they basically called it was the fishbowl because you're, they were down low. You're in like a basin kind of. Well, they were on top of a mountain, but they were like not well on top of a mountain, but they were in a in a mountain range. Mountain range but they had higher and, mountains around them. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking bad. Um. Oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. This was was on October third of two thousand nine. Especially when you have people that you know have lived in the area for generations that want to kill you, and they kind of know the area a little bit better than you. Yeah. You have all your topographical maps and and shit like that, but these motherfuckers know where all the shortcuts are. And I, and I got to say, we had, we had the same shit happen in Vietnam. Like, I, I was I was actually talking with my dad about this, and what happened. Um, and he goes, "It happens. Shit happens. It's war. You know. I mean, some people. You know, it's happened throughout the years, throughout the centuries. You know, you have a you have a advantage." You're going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. We've taken advantages of heights before, right. and we've done it. Um, That's how we won the Revolutionary War, by not standing shoulder to shoulder with each other. Yep. So, on the morning of October 3rd, 2009, Staff Sergeant Romache and his comrades awakened to an attack by an estimated 300 enemy fighters. Ugh. 
occupying on the high ground. Now, I I have to stop right there because so at Cop Keating there were seventy nine U.S. soldiers, uh-huh. forty two Islamic Republic of Afghanistan soldiers. Okay, so Af- Afghani military. Yep, and two Latvian soldiers. Where the fuck did they come from? I don't know. Did they get lost? I don't know. <laughs> we were headed to Turkey. We got fucking turned around or some shit. But, so, they were well outnumbered by yeah, the no insurgents. Yeah, no shit. You know, 300 to... Fucking less than 100? No, more than 100. 42, uh, what'd you say? Hold on, quick math. What did you say, though? What were the numbers? I can do it in my head. I know there was two. 79, 49. Oh, 42. Oh, so 44. Okay, so 113. Okay, so. 113 soldiers total. So 113 to 300. Well, no, it's 115. You didn't count our two Latvian buds. Already did. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, put they were in. only there because they're like, we want some food that's not like macaroni and cheese. We're going to bring these motherfuckers in to cook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we'll call, we'll cover, uh, the casualties and losses yeah. at the end. Yeah. Cause there's for, a lot for each side. Yeah. So they're being outnumbered by an estimated 300, you know, enemy soldiers. Uh, they got the high ground on all four sides of the complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, employing concentrated fire from recoilless rifles, rocket-propelled grenades, anti-aircraft machine guns, mortars, and small arms fire. Yeah. That was being unleashed upon them. Yep. Staff Sergeant... where all that shit came from. Russia and us. Yep. So, Staff Sergeant Romache moved undercover under intense enemy fire to conduct a reconnaissance of the battlefield and seek reinforcements from the barracks before returning to action. With support from an assistant gunner, uh, Staff Sergeant Romouche took out an enemy machine gun team, and while engaging a second, the generator he was using for cover was struck by a rocket-propelled grenade. Jesus Christ! Inflicting him with shrapnel wounds. Really? Yes. A fucking explosive hitting a bunch of metal shit that you're hiding behind? Yep. I never would have guessed it would have done that. Undeterred by his injuries, Romouche continued to fight. And upon the arrival of another soldier to aid him and the assistant gunner, he again rushed through uh, exposed an exposed avenue to assemble until additional soldiers. He assembled a five-man team and then returned back into the fight equipped with a sniper rifle. No shit. With complete disregard from his own safety, Romache continually exposed himself to heavy enemy fire as he moved confidently about the battlefield, engaging and destroying multiple enemy targets. Of course he exposed himself constantly. Balls like that, you can't hide them anywhere. He just, Fucking A. Yeah. Gotta hide him behind a truck. <laughs> he, uh, he, he actually had killed three Taliban fighters who had actually breached the combat outpost perimeter. Ooh, While orchestra- orchestrating a successful plan to secure and reinforce key points of the battlefield, Romache can... Maintain rodeo communication 
with a tactical operations center. Rodeo communication? Radio. Okay. Let me say that again. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're, we're, it's fine. We, we've cleared it up. No. We, we know that he was yelling at him through bull riders. That's <laughs> okay. Continue. No. No, uh. It's way funnier, dude. Just keep going. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> uh, as the enemy forces attacked with even greater ferocity, unleashing a barrage of RPG grenades and recoilless rifle rounds, Romache identified the point of attack and directed air support to destroy over 30 enemy fighters. God damn. After receiving reports that seriously injured soldiers were at a uh, distant battlefield pos- battle position, Romache and his team provided covering fire to allow the injured soldiers to safely reach the aid station. Now, I'm going to stop here. Most of the time, from what I actually had uh, watched a thing on this, most of these guys were fighting in t-shirts and... Silkies. Yeah. Yeah. Did you weren't fucking expecting it. They were what? Yeah. What time did this kick off? Like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So they're not even like fucking like. Yeah. They even had breakfast yet. Nope. You know. No. I mean, so you know, some were able to actually get up and get pants on real quick. You know. You imagine being that poor son of a bitch trying to trying to push one out in a fucking porta potty, and all of a sudden there's just shit blowing up all around you. Yeah. You'd finish quick. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So he pushed his team forward a hundred meters under over overwhelming enemy fire to recover and prevent the enemy fighters from taking the bodies of the fallen comrades. Romache's heroic actions... Oh, so these dickheads are trying to take American and yeah. allied bodies? Yep. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, so, Romache's heroic actions throughout the day-long battle were critical in suppressing an enemy that had far greater numbers. He His extraordinary effort gave Bravo Troop the opportunity to regroup, reorganize, and prepare for a counterattack that allowed the troop to account for its personal uh, personnel and secure combat outpost Keating. Uh, Romache's discipline and extraordinary heroes, heroism above and beyond the call of duty reflect great upon him, credit upon himself. Uh, Bravo Troop, 3rd Division Squadron, 61st Cavalry Regiment, 4th Brigade Combat Team, 4th Infantry Division, and the United States Army. Now, so, that all happened, and the total casualties and losses stands at this. U.S., 8 killed. U.S., 27 wounded. Jesus Christ. Afghani. Four killed. Afghani, ten wounded. Holy fuck, dude. Insurgents. This is the good one. <laughs> Hundred and fifty killed. <laughs> they wiped out half their fucking forces. Approximately forty to seventy wounded. Holy Christ. Yeah. That's what you get. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> Coming into the fucking Yeah, shit. I I get it, like we're in your country and shit, but mm-hmm. You kind of fucked with the wrong people there. Yeah. And I was going to, I would say that, you know, you started it, but you really didn't. Some Saudi Arabian dickhead did, and then Mm -hmm. you guys paid the fucking price for it, but that's how war works, unfortunately. So, because of this, 27 soldiers were awarded the Purple Heart for wounds sustained in combat. Right. 
30 soldiers were awarded the Army Commendation Medal with a V um, device for valor. Mm-hmm. Three soldiers were awarded the Bronze Star Medal. Which is pretty good. And 18 others were awarded the Bronze Star Medal with a V. Okay. No silver? Um, Hold on. Okay. Nine soldiers were awarded the Silver Star for Valor. And then, uh, actually, Staff Sergeant Justin uh, Galagos, Galagos, sorry, uh, was awarded the Silver Star, was later upgraded to the Distinguished Service Cross. Fucking right. Now, uh, First Lieutenant Andrew uh, Bunderman's Silver Star was also upgraded because he got a Silver Star. Yep. His was upgraded to Distinguished Service Cross as well. Now, Which is the second to the Medal of Honor. Yeah. Okay. Just throwing that out there for anybody that didn't know. But, yeah. So, now, Romache wasn't the only one to receive a Medal of Honor. There was one really? Guy. Yep. Um, to receive it. Uh, Staff Sergeant Ty Carter. He was then a specialist. Holy shit. Okay. <clears throat> um, he was also awarded that. Um, so, so now... He, he was probably just a kid, too. I mean, yeah. specialist? That probably would have put him at, like, I don't know, like 1920, something like that? Not a range? Depends. Maybe. I mean, Depends on what, you know, what you, because sometimes they give good perks. Yeah. You know, I know that some or occasionally guys, you fuck around and get busted back down, but probably not in this case. No, nah, like a lot of guys, there's some guys I know that actually went in mm, close to this time, actually just before this, and they actually went in as uh, specialists. Came out of basic as specialists? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you do, there's, like, certain things you can do during basic training from what I've seen. Like, if you do, like, like good conduct and shit like that, they can, you know. Yeah. Or now, if they if they see that you're going to, you're, like, built for leadership or something, shit like that, they'll, you know. Or or if you have, um, you know, college well, if, credits and stuff. Yeah, but if you graduate college, that automatically puts you in, like, a lieutenant or some shit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually that's, you know. Which means How that goes. You graduated from uh, from college. Congratulations. You can get everybody lost. <laughs> well. <laughs> At least in World War II. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, uh, I was actually reading part of. Uh, um, Cut that hit. fence and get this goddamn platoon on the move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I love that. Uh, actually, I was reading little bit of blurbs that came out of uh, Red Platoon. And Romache actually talks about. Uh, his first lieutenant that actually joined before Iraq, joined the unit, and uh, he basically said, listen, these fucking guys don't know me from Adam. Yeah. You're the sergeant. You're the guy. I'm just here yeah. in charge. You know, you fucking do what I tell you to do. Yeah. But they're going to they're gonna listen to you. Yep. So, so basically anything that I need done is going to come from you. Yeah. So, in addition to his being awarded his Medal of Honor, Romache's awards and decorations include the Bronze Star Medal, Purple Heart, Army Commendation Medal with two oak leaf clusters, 
Army Achievement Medal with four Oak Leaf Clusters. That's a lot of Oak Leafs. Yes. Uh, Army Good Conduct Medal, National Defense Medal, Kosovo Campaign Medal. Oh, Af- that's right. Yeah, because he was there. Yep. Yep. Uh, Afghans, Afghanistan ca- Campaign Medal with two Bronze Silver Stars. Iraqi Campaign Medal with three Bronze Silver Stars. Global War on Terror- Terrorism Service Medal. Korean Defense Service Medal. Oh, non- stationed in Korea. Okay. Yep. Non-commissioned officer uh, professional development ribbon with numeral two device. Army service ribbon. Overseas service ribbon with numeral five device. NATO medal with bronze silver star. The Valorous Unit Award. Matori. Matori. Um, yes. <clears throat> Merit. Yes. Meritus. Yes. There you go. Yes, Meritus. That's what it is. Unit coming up. My, my brain didn't want to fucking talk. The fucking... Oh. Intrepidity, buddy. Yeah. There you go. That's mine. <laughs> yes. Uh, Meritus uh, Unit Accommodation, uh, the Combat Action Badge, and the Air Assault Badge. Now, a lot of these are just kind of ones that you just get because you're there. Listen, it's safe to say that if you were to take between the two of our guys... You were to take all the metal on their chest, you could melt it down and make a Ford Fiesta out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen... I'm telling you, like, when you see pictures of Michael Thornton, motherfucker is lopsided with metals. He's just, yeah. like, a little bit of a lean to the right. You're like, well, you get 70 pounds of shit on your shirt. Good job. <laughs> yeah, so Romache is, you know, still alive, has, you know, kids and wife, um, actually does... A, a sp- wonderful beard. Yep. Does a speaking tour... Um, I think he actually now has a uh, service dog, that because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of vets like combat dog. No, because I've Sur- I've seen a lot of guys that w- service dogs. Well, a lot of guys will take the dogs in um, that have to retire from military service. They take them in and they're like, no, this is mine now. No, they, they, he has a service dog. Like a lot of a lot of vets have service dogs because they can't deal with. Uh, I, yeah, it's understandable. They though. actually help them out with dealing with. Uh, their PTSD yeah. and stuff like that because I it's, it's kind of interesting that while I was doing this research, so happens that a commercial comes on. I'm watching uh I don't know what the hell something on uh uh YouTube or something like that where it was like a commercial, and it so happens to be it's a um guy that served in the military, and he came home. I think it was from Iraq. Uh, and was having a really rough time, and they just said, you know, hey, you know, you really should have a service animal because yeah. you know their comfort and stuff like that. So he got um his black lab that he has. Can't go wrong there. No, and um he goes, the dog just know like you know be, like if I'm certain situations, the dog is there. Mm-hmm. Like he goes, I'll get home, and if I've had a bad day. That dog knows and will spend as much time as it feels it needs to to get me to a good st- good place. That's why we don't deserve dogs. No. Because I had a absolute shit day yesterday, and as soon as I got home, I like kicked my shoes off, and I wasn't even all the way on the couch. And my golden retriever is laying on me, just looking at me. 
and just it fixed everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, the, and you know, people like this, having service animals, totally get it. If you have any kind of emotional, like, whatever like that, that that's totally cool. It's these dickheads that insist on going on a plane with an emotional support hamster that can completely and totally go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's my turtle. It makes me feel better about myself. Fuck your turtle. Make soup. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if nobody's heard about um, Cop Keating and what happened there, and you want to be, like, blown the fuck away and... And maybe even, you know, shed a tear. Um, just go on YouTube and look it up. You know, I've, I've actually watched several different ones where it was from uh, uh, Romache's point of view of what he did. And then uh, from different other guys' point of views of what they did. And if you want to see Clint Romache, he's actually in range 15. It was a uh, yep. uh, veteran, like, funded and made zombie movie fucking fantastic it's on amazon prime uh he is in it towards the very very end um him and oh my god i can't remember the other guy's name it was another medal of honor recipient that lost a hand because he had a uh i believe he was throwing a enemy grenade back and it blew up in his hand but he saved a couple of dudes lives in the process um <laughs> so funny like in the movie a grenade lands between them and they almost like play rock paper scissors to see who gets to kick it away like see who's more of a badass <laughs> it's fucking great uh and then uh yeah fantastic it, it's 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 probably closer to along the lines of like a, a b-level movie but it's so fucking fun just if you if you know anybody that's in the military that would have served in this area this time frame if you recommend it to them, they'll probably like it. It's fucking hilarious. Maybe, yeah, yeah that know. definitely, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so I'm. I just want to say, God damn. Uh, th- thank you for your service. Holy shit! Thank to anyone you. who who has served or um, is serving in the military that listens to our podcast. Unless you're a bad guy, and then you go fuck yourself. Thank you for. I don't know. Like if you're an ISIS. Go fuck yourself. We don't know. Fuck you for your service. <laughs> you sons of bitches. Well, I mean, thank you for giving us something to shoot at. I guess. Whatever. I don't know. But, you know, anyway. I, I really had a hard time. I'm like, at some point in time, I want to just do like a little side thing. Remember those uh, those Jordanian guys that got kidnapped by ISIS a few years ago? Yeah. And they released a video where they burned them alive in a cage because that's what fucking ISIS does because they're animals. And then the king of Jordan personally climbed into an attack helicopter and led a fucking flight over there and nuked these guys. That dude's bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's a we we could use some leadership like that here. Like yeah, fuck. He, he's... Instead, we get a bunch of well, crazy because... old white men that don't know where the fuck they are half the time. Well, because like he's he's the military. He's part of the military over there. Yeah, like motherfucker yeah. went into combat yeah. in a helicopter it was like nah those are my guys nah, you, uh, you just don't do that now i'm gonna ship you cocksuckers to hell express style yeah <laughs> so holy uh, shit yeah so like i said this you now this is uh it was a bittersweet type of uh one for me this year you know i as much as had fun with it and everything it was still a bittersweet one because you know my my uncle uh I mean, passed away and served the military, you know, and 
great respect for everyone. Yeah, no shit. Who served, you know, and it's, you know, like I said, kind of hard, but uh, I did it, you know, was to honor him and you know, uh, thanks for guys, people for listening and yeah, and just to like bring a little bit of levity to this, this is literally my favorite topic that we cover on the show. I love talking about these guys. Yeah. Because it's just like, you see action movies and you're like, oh, that's bullshit. And then you read a book and you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't bullshit. People actually did this shit. Like, yeah, obviously there's some of it where they, you know, get a little carried away, but then you go, wait a minute. Fucking this dude actually, you know, snatched a, like a 30 caliber automatic weapon off the top of a tank that was on fire and walked backwards shooting at Japanese to protect his, his guys. You, if you put that in a movie, people would think it was bullshit. Then you, t- you know, read about fucking Audie Murphy and you're like, oh, he's real. <laughs> or you watch or you watch Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Holy you Christ. You don't think that, you know, uh, um, uh, fuck. Uh, yes, those two. Uh, Shigar and Gordon. Yeah, Shigar and Gordon. Yeah. They actually they did fucking stay in a plane yeah. in a helicopter they went in and fucking shot the fuck out of, you know. Then when you read, actually read it in the book, it will make you fucking cry. Every, I've read it a couple of times, every single time. Just just like that. Yeah. I mean. Because those are two guys that knew full well as soon as their feet hit the fucking dirt, we're going to die. Yep. They, they had no regard. They're like, no, we're, we're going to protect our guys. We're... 100% not coming back from this shit. No. That takes... I don't know. It's, it's a whole nother You gotta level. be right with whoever you believe in to grab that rope and go, okay, well, I'm coming home. You know? It's, it's That's just, fucking crazy to me. It's a whole nother level, and you just don't think about it. Yeah. What you're, you know... As my, my brother, my dad said, you know, it's... I don't know. It, it kind of... It goes out of your brain. Yeah. You know what? You you just react and you do. And that's it. There is no, no nothing else. And when, and if you, my, my dad always keeps saying, because he had guys that went back uh, or went to Afghanistan after going to Iraq. And he was like, Felt so fucking pissed because he was like, I probably, I should be there with my boys. Yeah. I should be there. I should be doing this. Not at home. You know, I should be there. But it's, it's almost a level of survivor's guilt. Yeah. You know, but then again, there's, there's guys that'll say shit like, try to pump themselves up. Well, no, they'll, they'll say things like, you can't think about dying. Because as soon as you get that in your head, it's going to happen. Yeah. You got to just fucking do. Yeah. There is no, you can't half-ass it. You got to go all balls out. And I've got nothing but respect for these guys that do that shit. Yeah. That's, my dad my, my dad said, he goes, was, you know, he said, you just got to know that you're going to die every day. There's a possibility when you walk out that door. Yeah. Or out those gates, you're going to be dead. Yeah. And, and anything you get after that is a fucking bonus. And being a fucking, you know, a kid of of a person that's in the military, when you fucking, uh, when they say, hey, I gotta let you go, we got incoming, you're like, oh, fuck. 
Yeah. Am I going to talk to them again? Yeah. You know. Is this the last time I'm going to have this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of a lot of talks like that. That was a not fun period, but. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. A whole year and a half. Yeah. Of, well, am I going to get a phone call? Or, you know, I'm going to have somebody show up on my doorstep. Yeah. You know. Guys in suits with a fucking flag. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want that. No. No. Do they still them. do it that way? I wonder. Because I know that was like a World War II thing, but I don't know. I think they sh- – no, they don't do it with the fly. They just show up, I think. They shoot you an email like, hey, sorry, dude. Like, no, what? what? I, <laughs> and I think they still have someone come and, you know, yeah, tell you. But, I mean, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But, anyway, enough of that. Let's go. Uh, so, hey, want to pass this on to you guys. No. Uh, How dare you? Stop. Studio. Don't save these people money, you asshole. Yes, I'm going to. <laughs> Fucker. Because, you know – I like to save them money. Go over to studio.com right now. They are having a sale. I think it's a Black Friday sale. I don't know, but it, it's running running right along. They're talking 35% off most everything. Mention that other thing you told me about earlier before we started recording. Yeah. That shit was crazy. Yeah. And so that's like, you know, 35% off. Whatever, 35% everything. off. Cool, great. Um, There's also... <laughs> I was like, I was scrolling down through their website, and they're sell they have package deal, the T twos which are uh, um earbud, new other new earbuds, I think they're noise canceling, and the Femtio, which which is their speaker, which Kevin loves. It's kick ass. Yes, they're selling both of those package deal right now. For hundred and eighty dollars. That's ridiculous. Which is like two hundred, like normally listen, over two hundred dollars, like two fifty. Even with our fifteen percent discount, when I bought that speaker, it was a hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. If you don't do this, there's something not right with your brain. If you need earbuds and a speaker, because it's yeah. fucking ridiculous. I mean, and like this speaker, I use it. I use it quite frequently. I charge it once a week. It's a thirty-hour battery life or some shit. Yeah. So it's crazy. So yeah, go over there. Get that. Right now, you can't put the promo code in. Of you don't need the promo code. That's no, a crazy-ass deal. It. Go over. Do that right now. If you have, But if you happen to miss out on it and you still want to get some some kind of savings and it's the 50, 35% off isn't running, put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Um, and also, go over to ageofradio.org. And you can find every episode of this shit that we have ever recorded. Um, all of our badasses, all of our uh, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, shit like that. If you want badasses, we got you covered. Um, yeah. we, we do everything. You can find your next favorite podcast there as well. We've got something for everybody. Paranormal, true crime, out the ass, motivational stuff, sports, whatever you want. We got it. Um, that's at ageofradio.org. And you can also, if you want a t-shirt... Or you can hit our asses, literally. Wow. You can, like, touch our butts. <laughs> D-W-P merch. D-W-P-M-E-R-C-H at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We will make you a son of a bitch in shirt and ship it out to you. Yes. Or some stickers. And if you happen to forget that, you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. <laughs> and you can find us on every single platform that you can download Yo! a goddamn podcast yep, on. Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, both at Dark Windows Pod. And until next week, when we figure out what the hell we're doing, before I piss my pants, 
Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. 